waiting, getting fed up, you running out of patience. Just keep your head up, I told you we'll make it. Can't get my meds up, I see too many faces. Uh, and them phones racing, best make it count, make sure it's no time wasted. I beat the trenches for my team, that was a great win. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 312 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. So reports are coming out that saying, you know, Eric B. Enemy uh, is more than likely going to be Washington's next offensive coordinator. And while, yes... For people that know me, I am a Washington fan, and yes, I'm happy to get Eric Bieniemy, who was a two-time Super Bowl champion, as at least as uh, with as a offensive coordinator. I am happy to have a two-time <laughs> Super Bowl champion calling plays. But I get no sense of joy hearing that Eric Bieniemy is now it's not finalized but it's looking like he's going to be the newest offensive coordinator for the Washington football team or I'm sorry Washington Commanders it doesn't bring me joy because I understand where when I see wrong you know you know when you see something's not right you know it and it, and it's, it's not a good feeling you know, it doesn't feel good when you see a disservice. It doesn't feel good when you see something happening that isn't right. You want, you may understand why it's happening, but it's not right. You see, it looks like, from what's what's probably been reported, that Eric Bieniemy has been on about twelve to fifteen interviews to be a head coach. Eric Bieniemy, by the way, who a lot of people feel should be a head coach in the NFL. And I am one of those people. So you've been on 12 to 15 head coaching interviews, and you have not gotten one of them. Now, at first, I was thinking to myself, well, God, well, damn, like, Eric Bieniemy has to be a terrible interviewer. Like, there's no way you can go to 15 interviews and not get one. Like, something has, there has to be something wrong with you. Because there's, there's no way, bro. But then you hear stories of where the hiccup is in a lot of these interviews and where the hiccup is when it comes to hiring Eric Bieniemy as a head coach. And the hiccup that you usually hear is, well, you look at the Chiefs, you know, the 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 success that the Chiefs have had with Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes, and with Eric Bieniemy, and what you're hearing is Eric Bieniemy does not call a lot of the plays. He doesn't call a lot of the plays. A lot of the plays are being called by Andy Reid. Um and people are questioning the legitimacy of how good Eric Bieniemy is as an offensive coordinator which in turn then questions how good he can be as a head coach. And while some people can hear that, 
and think, oh, that's that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to hire somebody where there is a question mark of how good they are or there's a question mark of how prominent they've been in a successful offense. But trust and believe when I tell you that it has abs- it should have absolutely nothing to do with that. We've seen people that did not call play or didn't call didn't call majority of the plays that have gotten head coaching jobs like Nathaniel Hackett. Like Matt LaFleur. Like Kevin O'Connell. Like majority of the people that come from the Bill Belichick tree. Look. This is... I, I hear Stephen A. Smith. Um, Stephen A. Smith pretty much went at the fact or highlighted the fact of a lot of the reason why or the biggest reason why Eric B. Enemy does not have a job is because of Andy Reid. And not in a malice way. It's because Andy Reid has not re- or he's very reluctant to relinquish the 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 play calling to somebody else. And in defense to Andy Reid, why would I do that if me calling plays has been successful for me? I mean, again, I talked about it last episode when we talked about the Super Bowl. I can, I have, there's a strong argument that Andy Reid could possibly be the second or even greatest head coach we've ever seen. And again, I always talk about if Bill Belichick had the had the circumstances that Andy Reid had, and vice versa, we may see something. Things might be a little different. But where I will push back on Stephen A. Smith, and it's not just Stephen A. Smith, it's anybody, because I know Stephen A. Smith is not the only person that thinks this. Again, there have been multiple people that have gotten head coaching jobs that A, do not deserve it, and B, did not call plays. Hell, I love him to death. Well, I don't love him to death. Let me let me let me backtrack. He's a cool dude, but Jeff Saturday had absolutely no business being an interim head coach for the Colts. The offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator for the Eagles that just lost the Super Bowl are now the head coach of the Colts, I believe, and the Cardinals. They just lost the Super Bowl. And was outcoached by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy in the second half of that Super Bowl. Yet and still, it took them all the five minutes to get a head coaching job. And since I've kind of beat around the bush with it, I'm going to be very direct. Eric Bieniemy being African American is probably the biggest reason why he's not a head coach. Now, no, I'm not saying that they're. I mean, I know about Mike Tomlin. I know about D'Amico Ryan. I know about Ron Rivera. If you want to talk about people of color, 
But there is still a a huge amount of owners or higher ups that don't feel comfortable handing over the rings to an African American. And on top of all that, African Americans have the shortest leashes possible in terms of head coaching jobs, in terms of any jobs. Don't believe me? Look at Brian Lefwich. Where is he at? Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. Where is Brian Lefwich at? Look. Look how long it took Leslie Frazier to get something. What I'm saying is. It's unfair. Because it feels like. We're supposed to be happy that Eric Bieniemy is going to is looks like it's going to be the the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, and it's like a level that is a that is a lateral move if I've ever seen one. It's lateral, right? <laughs> or I know a horizontal move when I see one when he should be moving up. And honestly, I don't even know if that's a, a horizontal move. That might be a downslope because you're going from Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. You're going from that to an organization that has been dysfunctional for a while. It looks like they're on, they're about the, the, they're, we're about to have a new owner. We don't, they don't even know who their who their quarterback is going to be. Is it going to be Sam Howell? Is it going to be Taylor Heineke? Are they going to – I mean, I, I, reports are saying they're going to probably cut Carson Wentz, but are they going to get someone like a Derek Carr? We don't know. There's a lot of question marks for the Wash, or with the Washington Commanders. There's not too many question marks for the Kansas City Chiefs, not to mention the fact of if you want the best chance of winning – of course, you go to Kansas City Chiefs, or you stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I also understand why you would go to the Washington Commanders because while the Kansas City Chiefs probably give you the best opportunity to win, Washington gives you the best opportunity to display that, hey, while, yes, Andy Reid did call out these plays, I am a very good offensive coordinator and deserve to be a head coach, which is trash that that has to happen. That that is unfortunate as hell that that has to happen. Because it's like, what else do you have to do? There have been people, again, that have gotten head coaching positions that don't deserve a, uh, don't deserve to be a coordinator, and have have found themselves in the same predicament that Eric Bieniemy's been in. Actually, I'm sorry, has not done the. The same amount that Eric Bieniemy has done and still gotten head coaching jobs. And on top of all that, have gotten head coaching jobs and got fired from those head coaching jobs and went right back and got a, a coordinating job. Think about this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the rug or anything. But... When you look at their success rate, right? Who's been more successful in this league, Matt Lafleur or Eric Bieniemy? 
When you look at success, right, right. Who do you think has been more successful in the NFL? All right. Nathaniel Hackett or Eric Bieniemy? Hell, think about this. You can even go to a bigger name. And I'm not and again, I'm not here to 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 bash anybody. I'm not here to to, you know, be messy or whatever. But I mean, when you look at it, what has I mean Sean McDermott or be Eric Bieniemy? And I like Sean McDermott, but where has the success lies? Because I mean, you can say, well, you see the elevation of Josh Allen. However, I can also combat, well, you didn't see the elevation of Josh Allen until he got Stephon Diggs and until he was paired with Brian Dayball, which, by the way, the this year when Brian Dayball left to go to the Giants as a head coach, Josh Allen then was like, what, second in the league in interceptions. What I'm saying is this, man. Congratulations to Eric Bieniemy if you know the the deal does go through and he he does end up being the Washington Commanders new offensive coordinator. But on the flip side, that is that should never like that shouldn't have to be the case, you know. Cuz he's done more than enough and he has earned his I understand, like, you just don't want to give somebody something. I get that. Like, you, if, if they don't earn it, don't give it to them. But Eric Bieniemy has earned, earned an, an offensive head, co- or no, a head coaching position. And the fact that he has to keep going through these hurdles and passing. I mean, the question was, is he able? Because remember, Eric Bieniemy was there for I think before, what's his name? Before Patrick Mahomes, and he had Alex Smith. They were like what? <laughs> they were damn near undefeated at home with Alex Smith. And I, I know Alex Smith before the injury and everything, but I just feel you know it's just unfortunate, man. Eric Bieniemy deserves to be a head coach. Plain and simple. And I get why he would go to a lesser team that is the Washington Commanders out, you know, when when compared to the Kansas City Chiefs. So I understand why they do that, but I also understand. I also feel it's not right that he should have to do that. There's that, man. So, when we look at the NBA, uh, we're in the All-Star break. All-Star break pretty much is the halfway point of the season. Um, And, of course, we know the festivities and we know All-Star weekend. We know the celebrity game, the, the skills day, which is Saturday, and, of course, the game, which is Sunday. 
and how I think the NBA does does the best when it comes to their All Star festivities and in the way that they're able to to highlight their 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 players and highlight just the NBA in, in general. So, with this being All Star Weekend, we just had a a whole half of the season, you know. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you my top five teams in the NBA, you know, right now in as we get to All-Star Weekend um, or as we are in All-Star Weekend. And I'll start from five to one. I'll start with number five. And number five is Philly. I don't know. I think the biggest question marks about Philly is. Are they going to be able to find success in the playoffs? Of course, we know what happened last year, and we know what's happened majority of the time when they get to the playoffs uh, with Joel Embiid and now with James Harden. They also had Ben Simmons, you know. But Philly, James Harden has played really well, and James Harden, to me, has played well enough to be an all-star. Now, of course, he's not an all-star this year. But that might change. Um, I don't know if Giannis is, you know, Giannis is thumb. I don't know if he'll play, but I don't know. And with the emergence of Tyreek's Maxey, James Harden playing well, and of course Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level, I just fe- I feel that they and and the moves they make. I think it was with Josh McDaniels. I think the moves that they made at the at the trade deadline, which it was a very subtle move. You know, you give up Matisse Thibault. And you get McDaniels, I think, uh, or McRoberts or McDaniels. I feel they they are a team that you don't talk about a lot because of how, what we've seen from them and because of how they have kind of flamed out towards the end of the year and, and in the playoffs. But right now I have Philly at number five. The combination of James Harden and, and, and Joel Embiid have been uh, – they they they've been great. They've been great. Number four, I have Denver. Now, number the reason why I have Denver at number four and maybe not a little higher is because we know how good Nikola Jokic is. We know how good Nikola Jokic is. We know that he is at least right now in a lot of people's eyes uh, MVP candidate. It's just everyone else. Now, Denver does have the best team, at least right now, in the West. Uh, Jamal Murray is, is is shaping into form. Eric Gordon, I think, was is, was playing good or is playing good enough to be an all-star, even though he's not an all-star. It's just, as we've seen with the with Denver Nuggets, what do they look like in the playoffs? And I don't think they play good enough defense to really – carry themselves uh deep deep in the playoffs now offensively they could but and if they, they could possibly turn on i mean morris has been good uh but i just need to see more and i need to see defensively because offensively they can score with the best of them again jamal murray nicole Jokic, which by the way nicole Jokic has only scored under 50 well no nicole Jokic has, has shot under 50% once in the playoff, uh, once this entire season. That's crazy. Um, but it's just defensively. I don't, I, they're, they're in a lot of shootouts because of their defense. Uh, but of course, you have Nicole Jokic, though. But I have Denver at number four. 
Now, number three, I have the Suns because of the newly formed team. Now, yes, I have to see what they look like on the court, but it kind of reminds me to a very lesser extent, don't get me wrong, to a very lesser extent of when KD went to Golden State. Now, no, the Suns, this KD Suns is not KD Warriors, but I, I say that in the sense of you can put KD anywhere. You can drop KD on any team and he's going to flourish and he's going to bode well. That's just how good of a player he is and that's just how well his game travels. He is a scoring savant. He's one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. And you drop him on any team, they're, they're going to be successful. I'm not saying that they're going to be championship-lated, but they're going to be successful. And why? In another comparison that I have, or another... Wait, another, I guess, comparison I'll have from that this Suns team to the Golden State Warriors team is you're going to a Suns team that already has established stars. Golden State had Clay Tom, I mean Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Gudala at the time. The Suns team they have Chris Paul, they have Devin Booker, they have DeAndre Ayton. That is a nucleus that could win. Now, the only question that I have about the Suns is defensively. Um, I'm going to spoil it. One of the biggest reasons why I don't have Dallas as a top five team, even though they have Luka, they have um, they have Kyrie Irving, is because defensively they are. It is that is a horrible defensive team. I know they're still getting used to playing with each other, but that is a horrible defensive team. Now, I don't think that the Suns will be a horrible defensive team because of Aiden, because of KD. Chris Paul plays defense from time to time, even though he is getting older. I don't know what they're going to look like defensively. Giving up Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson was huge, especially especially Mikael Bridges. That was their best on-ball defender. And as we're seeing with Brooklyn, Mikael Bridges going crazy even offensively. He just had like a 45-point game. Shouts out to him. But I'd, offensively, this team, the Suns, are going to be different. They're going to be scary. They're going to be... Right now, you can see them as a Western Conference favorite as to make it out the West Conference because of the firepower. I mean, think about it. You have a person in Chris Paul who can give you 15 and 15 with zero turnovers. You have someone in Devin Booker who has scored a 70-point game. No, yeah, 70-point game before in the league. You have someone in KD who I just said is arguably one of the greatest uh, offensive weapons the league has ever seen. And then you have DeAndre Ayton, who is is a a, a, a paint monster. So I have the Suns at number, th- number three. I think the Suns are going to be good. Um, number two, I have the Bucks. I have the Bucks at number two. I mean, we see what Giannis is doing. We see what Chris Milton is doing. I love the fact of Drew Holiday, which he's kind of had to because of the injuries to Chris uh Chris Middleton, because of the injuries to Giannis that we've seen, Drew Holiday has kind of had to step his offensive game up. Um, I mean, he had, I think, a 40-point game the other day. Of course, you have Brooke Lopez. He just had like a 33-point game. The Bucks are who the Bucks have been. Um, the only the question that I have about the Bucks is outside of Giannis and Chris Middleton, where are they going to get their offense from? And that's why I like what I saw out of Drew Holiday. That's why I like what I'm seeing out of Brooke Lopez. And, of course, Bobby Portis has been hurt. So, I, 
the Bucks can beat you on all facets of the game, and they have arguably the best player in the league. And Giannis, like, they're number two. I think they're a game back from first place in the in the East. Um, again, it's it's always going to come down to the others. And when I say the others, I include Chris Middleton. Like, what? How are they going to fare? Now, of course, when they're firing all cylinders, which we've seen, they win the championship. They they beat the Suns in the championship. We've also seen when Chris Middleton's out, and it's really just Giannis. They 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 can't get it done. I.e., what we saw a year ago in the playoffs against the but uh, the Suns against Celtics. So, um, I have the Bucks in number two. I think the Bucks are an incredible team, and with Giannis, with Chris Middleton, they're 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 tough. And number one, I think it's kind of simple, kind of obvious. It's the Boston Celtics. Now, I do, of course, injuries play a part in every sport. Injuries play a part on every team, and I am waiting to see, you know, when Jalen Brown gets back. He has the face fracture. Um, but the Boston oh and you know how Marcus when Marcus Smart gets back. But the the Boston Celtics have been playing like the best team. They're playing like the team that lost the NBA finals. Now, the di- one thing that you see in the NFL, the NFL is different in a lot of ways, of course, in the NBA, but one way, especially when we talk about, you know, Super Bowl and NBA finals, is usually there is a drop off between the the person that the the team that loses the finals and then the very next year usually they're not that good i know the bengal's that's that's an exception but usually the team that loses the nf or the super bowl usually is not it's hard to duplicate how good they were the next season now of course we'll have to see what this, the eagles look like but it's just not the same it's just not the same um but the Boston Celtics are playing like not only they lost the finals, but they have something to prove. They're playing, you know, Jason Tatum is in the MVP conversation, in my opinion. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go back and forth, especially with the scoring. And that is, that is the biggest problem, or not problem, the question mark that I have. And we saw that last year, and we're kind of starting to see it this year. Um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are superior scores. Uh, they they can score with the best of them. I mean, Jalen Jason Tatum, damn near averaging thirty. Uh, he's had multiple fifty point games. He has sixty point games. Jalen Brown is is damn near eye to eye with Jason Tatum as far as scoring. The problem is what happens outside of them, especially scoring. Like, yeah, we've seen a couple games where uh Grant Williams has played all right. We've seen a couple games where Al Horford has played all right. We've seen a couple games where, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon has been great for the team all all around. But scoring wise, we've seen a couple games of Bro- Mal- Malcolm Brogdon has been good. The question is, like, outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, can they get a consistent third score? And we haven't seen that yet. I mean, oh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? I think the trade for Mike Muscala was big. I really do. And Derek, I mean, Derek White has been 
shooting the lights out the last few days. Um, but outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, especially when he gets to the playoffs, if you shut one of them down or two of or you know, if you shut one of them down, which we saw the Golden State Warriors do, what happens? You know? Um, but at least this year they've been playing incredible. So my top five teams as we you know, as we've reached the all-star break is Philly at five, Denver at four, the Suns at three, uh, the Bucks at two, and Boston at one. Uh, there again, there and there, there has been some really good teams. There, I mean, the the Cleveland the Cleveland Cavaliers have been really good. Uh, of course, the West is still a gauntlet. I mean, you still have the Memphis Grizzlies. The reason why I don't have Memphis Grizzlies up there in the top five is because they did go on a, a mean losing streak. I know, <laughs> uh, well, they lost like 10 out of the last 11 or something like that before winning that game. So this, I think the, the surprise team of the league right now has been the Sacramento Kings and how good they are. Uh, you know, Dallas Clippers. So. That's that's my top five teams um, going as we are in All Star Weekend right now, and with that, since we're we're gonna stick with the lists, <laughs> I'm gonna give my top five MVPs. Uh, there have been some incredible, incredible uh, numbers and and scoring scoring outputs and, and just all around incredible play from some some great players and and think about this John Moran's not in my not in my top 5 and how great he's been playing Steph Curry if it wasn't for injuries of course as well as Kevin Durant they would be in my top 5 Shea Gilgeous Alexander is not in my top five, probably because, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder is temp. But Shea Gilgeous Alexander is, has arguably been one of the best players in the league. We, we're going to talk about Damian Lillard in a second. Of course, Laurie Marketing. I mean, there have been some incredible, incredible performances by, by stars and by players. And that's just that just shows you the talent level that the league is in right now. But these are my top five MVPs. Uh, number five, I have Luka Doncic. Okay, so one thing that the Dallas Mavericks is showing you, and one thing that we're seeing out of Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks is you can have one person that is an incredible, efficient scorer, but that doesn't ultimately – produce success now with them having Kyrie Irving now that we might see a little bit of change and we might see them raising the standings I mean right now they're 31 and 29 uh and of course we know how good Kyrie Irving is offensively but Luka Doncic is putting up historic numbers but that's also coming off the backs of he has pretty much been the only score on that team the consistent score on that team so of course he's gonna put up that much and and i'm not gonna say of course he's going to because some people can't but luka Doncic is a superior score he's just it's just it's not really equating to much wins because of you know when he don't play defense and just the team around him so I have to put Luka at number five because, I mean, the, the Dallas Mavericks are sixth in the West. And don't get me wrong, the West is incredibly tough. But 
you know, the, a lot of his scoring outputs hasn't really led to winning that much, if that makes sense. Uh, number four, I have Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid, year after year after year, continues to find himself in the MVP discussion. That's just how good of a player he is. Um, and, I mean, last year he finished second. Uh, I think the last few years he finished either second or third. Joel Embiid is – he is exactly what when – we, when we go back to college and we go back to projections and a lot of people were projecting Joel Embiid to be one of the best centers in the league. Now, of course, they're, all, they're just projections. And some projections, of course, flame out. Some projections – some people live up to their projection. Some people exceed their projection. I mean, nobody projected Nikola Jokic to be as good as he is. Nobody thought Giannis was going to be Giannis. Nobody thought Steph Curry was going to be Steph Curry. Joel Embiid, one of his projections, if he could have stayed healthy, he could arguably be the best center in the league. And that's what we're seeing. I'm not saying he is the best center. You can still have an argument between him and Nikola Jokic. But Joel Embiid has been incredible. Joel has he. He is one of the most skilled big men. When we talk about skilled big men, to me, is a third. It's a three man, three team li- or three big man list, uh, all time. And that is, of course, I'm not going to put him in any order, but that's Joel Embiid, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, so I, Joel Embiid has just been that incredible. So I have Joel Embiid as number four. Number three, I have Jason Tatum. You have to want not only do you have to well, you have to reward a team not only being number one in the NBA, but why they are number one in the NBA. And while yes, the Celtics have been great. Shouts out to the Celtics, they've been good. They would not be as good as they were if as good as they are if it wasn't for Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's scoring has and it's not really just his scoring, so let me not even just highlight that first. One one question that I had about Jason Tatum, especially as you know, with his rise, is how is he going to fare on the defensive side? I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but Jason Tatum did not play defense a good amount of time. He was in the league or like his early years, like he was he did not care about defense. Um, and I was like, while yes, that's good. I think that that is going to hold not only him back, but the Boston Celtics back. Well, needless to say, he and Jalen Brown have taken taken deep, have taken the defense. I think that's probably you may Doka's formula, uh, taking an exception and 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 really focused on the defensive side of the ball. And now he's one of the best on ball defenders in the league, especially with the traits that he has. You know how tall he is, his his wingspan. And on top of that, he is one of the best scorers in the league. He's one of the best shooters, one of the best uh, at getting to the rim. Jason Tatum has been incredible. Um, And I have Jason Tatum in number three. I think that at least this is the halfway point of the season. And with this being the halfway point of the season, you can get, you know, um, a lot of things can change. I mean, again, injuries affect a lot of things. Uh, team success and the ebbs and flows of a team. But what it's starting to look like is we will get 
we will be getting a three-time three-time MVP winner. And that's either between Giannis or Nikola Jokic. Uh, right now at number two, I have Giannis. I have Giannis at number two, and it's, it's kind of... I have Giannis at number two because, of course, everything that the the it's unfair, but it's but it's true. I feel that Giannis has a better team around him than someone like a Nikola Jokic. Uh, while yes, I like Jamal Murray, I like Marco Porter Jr., I like Aaron Aaron Gordon. Um, I just like the pieces that this that the that the uh, Bucks have more than the Nuggets. Like I like Chris Middleton. He's he I I like Drew Holiday. I like uh what's his name? Brooke Lopez. And don't get me wrong, man. Giannis is still Giannis. Giannis intent to in fact currently Giannis is averaging give me a second. Giannis is averaging thirty three points, five or no six assists and 12 rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Giannis, bro. But Giannis also has an all-star partner in Drew Holiday who's averaging 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. I mean, no, five, 7 assists, I'm sorry, and 5 rebounds. I just think... Which is unfortunate, but that's how it is. I think the team around Giannis is better than the team around number one, who I have, Nikola Jokic. Again, I Giannis and Nikola Jokic, to me, are going back and forth right now as the best players in the league because they dominate the, they dominate the game the same way, just differently. Nikola Jokic isn't the loud, you know, aggressive. When I say loud, I mean, like, your game is loud. Like, Giannis... You see 45 points, like, like damn, like that's Giannis. Nikola, I mean, Nikola Jokic is a big man, a center, seven-footer, averaging a triple-double. He averages 20, 25, 10, and 12. He, in my, Nikola Jokic, my, in my opinion, is the best, most, not best, is the most skilled big man the league has ever seen. From his ability to score the ball, his ability to pass the ball, his ability to dribble and see and see, you know, be the floor general at the center position. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. And it's starting to look like that. We will get the first player since Larry Bird to win three consecutive MVPs. I also think that's crazy that he'll be the first player since Larry. Never mind. Um, yeah. So right now my MVP race, and again, I think it would look a little different if Steph Curry was still healthy. Look a little different if uh, you know KD was still healthy. If Ja maybe didn't get hurt or or didn't miss the games that he missed, um, I think we look a little. I think it look a little different. But right now, to me, we have a clear cut one and two. A clear cut one and two. I I remember Nicole uh Luka Doncic was pretty much number one for a minute, but right now Nicole Jokic and Giannis are one and two. And it's 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 a pretty wide gap between two and three in my opinion. I if Giannis ended up getting the, the MVP, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be upset. Uh I, and I wouldn't be like, oh, someone got robbed. 
actually. No, I wouldn't. And if Nikola Jokic won, I'd be like, you know, well deserved. I just I think that they they have been the best two players. And consistently when when we talk about injuries and everything, they've been the consistent players because if you injuries aside, I mean, Kevin Durant's averaging 30 points a game. Steph is averaging 29 points a game. Like you know. So yeah, um that's again, that's my MVP list. What is it? Uh number five, Luca, number four, Embiid, number three, Jason Tatum, number two, Giannis, number one, Nikola Jokic. Let me know who you guys think. Not only who you guys think is the MVP, let me know who you think deserves to I don't or who who is your top five teams that, you know, in going into the all-star break. Who do you think is the sleeper team? You know what I'm saying? Let me know. We're talking about the NBA. Come on, guys. And you know we can't go without having a segment about the Lakers. Yes, we can. Let me not <laughs> let me not do that. I am not I am not a national media pundit. If the Lakers suck, we don't need to talk about them. Let's just I'll just be real with you. Um But the Lakers uh the Lakers look drastically different than they did the start of the season. And I think there are there are four teams that I really want to look at that I think can and probably will make a run after the All-Star break. And one of them, of course, is the Lakers. Now, when I say make a run, I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, championship caliber team. I don't think even with the moves that they made, I don't think that they're championship caliber team because of I mean, we don't know the health of LeBron James, uh, Anthony Davis. He, he, he's been kind of inconsistent with his play. And while, yes, I like Malik Beasley. I like D'Lo. I like uh, Jared Vanderbilt. I like Rui Hachimura. I just don't know if they're championship pieces. They could be. I could be drastically wrong but i don't don't think that a team that is in the one or 10 11 12, 13th place is going to make a championship run however i do think they are going to make a run and at least make a run to i don't know get to the play-in or maybe even get all the way to the sixth seed i think that they're good enough to do that um again a lot of that is predicated on anthony davis and lebron james but when you have pieces that fit, and it feels like, at least right now, D'Angelo Russell fits better with this Lakers team alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis than, say, a Russell Westbrook, um, you know, Rui Hachimura and Malik Beasley, and they, they fit better alongside or with this team more than, say, a, you know, um, what's his name, Patrick Beverly. I do like, I did like Thomas Bryant on the Lakers, however... You know, you you get a, a Vander a Justin a Jarrett Vanderbilt who is a big wing, which is something that the Lakers drastically needed, especially when LeBron James comes off the floor. Him and him and Huey or Rui Hachimura, I just think that they're prone to make a run. I'm not saying that they're good enough to win a championship. Do not hear me say that. And I'm also not even sure that they're good enough to make any noise in the Western Conference when we talk about some of the top teams. Even right now, I don't see them beating a Nuggets. I don't see them beating a Memphis. I don't see them beating a – they might be able to beat the Sacramento Kings. I don't see – perfectly healthy, I don't see them beating the Clippers. I don't see them beating the Suns. don't see them beating Dallas. Maybe Dallas. But, yeah, 
I just I think the Lakers are going to make a run. Uh, another team that I think is going to make a run, honestly, and and we'll go to the Eastern Conference is the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat is currently seventh in the. I'll say this: the Miami Heat. I don't. <laughs> the Miami Heat. They're, they're a team, man. Like they always play hard. They're always one of the toughest teams. They're always one of the better defensive teams, but. There's always, like, they don't, I think they'll make a run and probably get all the way to maybe the, because with, with Miami making a run, I also think that the Brooklyn Nets are going to fall a little bit, because um, right now they're fifth. I don't think that they'll remain fifth, and I want to see what happens with the Knicks. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle kind of levels it out, but we know how the Knicks are. I just think... You're, they're keeping Kyle Lowry. So Kyle Lowry is going to be on the team. Uh, of course, you have J- Jimmy Butler. I think that the dynamic duo of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo is going to, you know, they have a, a really good piece around Gabe York. They have, um, or they they have, you know, Tyler Euro. I just think Miami can make a run. I don't, they're, no, they're not. When, when we look at Miami, I don't see them making any noise against the Celtics or the Bucks or the, or, Philly I don't even think that they're good enough to go against you know to make any noise against the Cavaliers but um I do think look look maybe they get Russell Westbrook I don't know maybe they get Kevin Love I don't know but I do think that Miami is I I, with Eric Spolstra being as good as he is as a coach and Miami when they turn on defensively they are and they are incredible they're 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 a they're a very stingy defensive team so I think they'll be able to make a run. The next team I have is the Pelicans. And the Pelicans and the, the last team I'm going to say mainly is because of injuries, man. Uh you you see they were they were I think atop the West when Zion was playing. Um and now when you have Zion, when Zion comes back, you have CJ McCollum. Brandon Ingram is playing back into form. I think that this is going to be a dangerous team. Uh, hell, Jay Will said one time that they're going to win the West. Now, this was when they were number one in the West, but they have some really good pieces. I mean, again, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones is a really good piece, man. CJ McCollum, Trey Murphy the third is a good piece. Them getting Josh Richardson at the shooting guard position was was big. Of course, you have Jonas Valachunas. They have a good nucleus, and of course, all this surrounds is this. <laughs> the Pelicans is a they're a Zion or they're a Zion planet, and you have some incredible planets around it. You have Brendan Ingram who can be a star anywhere, uh, and again, you have Zion. So. I think that they're good enough to make some noise because they, I mean, again, when they were healthy, or at least when Zion was healthy, they were the number one team in the West for a while. So, yeah. And the last team I'm going to say are the Golden State Warriors. I was wondering. I wasn't wondering. I know exactly what's wrong with the Golden State Warriors. Um... The Golden State Warriors have they 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 find themselves struggling with identity. They find themselves struggling with what team or what roles they need to be. 
or the, what roles they play. Not not everyone, of course. We know the big gun. Like we know Steph is Steph. We know Clay is Clay. We know Dre is Dre. But there's been a stat that's been going around. Um, when Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney, that starting five is the best starting five in the NBA by far. I think they outscore teams by like 22 points. That starting five alone, 22 points. And to put that into perspective, and of course this isn't just me making this up. I, I didn't see this. Put put this into perspective. When Kevin Durant, that Kevin Durant starting five, it was what? Steph Curry, uh, with Kevin Durant in the starting five, they outscored people by 11. This team, this the or, the Golden State Warriors starting five is outscoring people by 22 points. So I hear that and I'm like, yo, what the hell? Why? Why? Why are they? Why are they only sitting in the ninth ninth spot right now? Why are they 29 and 29? There's a couple reasons. Reason number one: defensively, <laughs> defensively, they have not been able to find that consistency. And it's not just the bench, because the bench is a big part of why they are 29-29. But defensively, is everyone. I mean, hell, Draymond Green has said it. Steph, like, defensively, they have not been the, the Golden State Warriors that they need to be defensively. Uh, and on top of that, like I said, you, defense defense really shines on the road. And that's when you need defense the most, on the road, because you can't. You, you know, you don't know the rims. You can't really bank on your crowd giving you the energy that it needs. And, of course, everything, you know, how you feel comfortable at home, so does the, the, the home team, which, of course, you're playing. Which is why you see such a huge discrepancy between, I mean, Golden State is 22 and 7 at home. They are 7 and 22 on the road. I have never seen a discrepancy like that. And on top of that, a lot of a lot of pieces that they thought was going to matriculate and they thought that, you know, they needed not just they thought, they needed someone like a James Wiseman, someone like a uh Moses or Moody to be a Gary Payton the 3rd or to be an Otto Porter Jr. or to be a a Bielitsa. Now I'm not saying that of course they would they would be what I mean is you get James Wiseman the second overall pick. Now of course due to injuries and stuff it was very slow development but you needed him to be a number 2 overall pick. You needed Moses Moody to be a knockdown shooter which he was in college. And of course a, a good defender with his size, his length, they just have not been that. They have not matriculated into that. And that's why you you trade away uh, James Wiseman to get Gary Payton the third back. And I think I think that Golden State is going to make a run because you see the pieces that they have. And I thought before Steph Curry got hurt with this knee slash leg injury, I thought that they were trending in the right direction. You were seeing Clay Thompson play at a uh, play at a pace that we haven't seen him play. In fact. He was playing at a pace better, at least offensively, than he's ever played. Now, defensively, of course, he, he doesn't have the same speed that he did before the, the leg injuries. But 
Klay Thompson was playing well. Jordan Poole was coming into form as, you know, uh, they they were tweaking the lineups and having Jordan Poole come come play or play as a starter. Which, as we've seen, if you look at the plus minuses between, you know, compare when when J when Jordan Poole is a starter compared to when he's coming off the bench, it is a huge discrepancy. Um. Dante DiVincenzo has been really good, especially knocking down the three and playing defense. And now that you get Gary Payton back, he was a, especially at the, they, there's a lot of guards, yes. But especially at that guard position, defensively, he's huge. Um, I just think that this is still a deep team. And when you look at that offense, when you look at that, that stat, what I just said about the starting five, outscoring people by like 22 points, that is tremendous. And I just think once – it could be the whole flip the switch thing. I'm just saying that you need to do it now because if not, you do not want to go – first of all, you don't want to f- go into the playoffs at the ninth seed having to play in the plan because I don't think there's 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 no – look at the, the – the teams in the plan right now in the in the east is is the Heat, the Hawks, the Wizards – and the Raptors. I don't think any of them have a shot of making a play or or winning the championship. In the West, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, Golden State, and the Thunder. I don't think any of them have a shot outside of Golden State if they're able to get up out the play-in. If they can get to like that four or five seed, oh yeah, oh yeah. But they're they're gonna need to turn it on now, and I think they can. So. Of course, we'll have to see what happens, and we'll see where it goes from there. And bada bing, bada boom. So, mm. you know, it's, I'm starting to get it's it it's starting to it's starting to really suck talking about Damian Lillard, man. Um. I don't know. There's there's a scent. There's a there's a part of me that feels like I want better for Damian Lillard than he wants for himself, which is crazy to think. Um, Damian Lillard is having uh, his best statistical year he's ever had. Like Damian Lillard is 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 playing is playing the best basketball he has played as Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. Think just think about that name. Think about Damian Lillard. Think about everything that comes with Damian Lillard. Think about everything we know about Damian Lillard and he is having the best career statistically he's ever had. He's averaging 31 points a game, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. He's shooting 40 47, 47% from the field. Mm-mm. 47% from the field and right now 37% from three, which is great. And with all that information, the <laughs> the Portland Trail Blazers sit at 12th in the West and two games below 500.
Portland has 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 Portland has proven that they are not the best free agent destination. And when you look at this team, while you have some good players, I mean, you have Jeremy Grant, you have uh, Nurkic, Cam Reddish, I think is going to be good. Uh, Shannon Sharp, Shaden Sharp has been incredible. Anthony Simon, even though he did hurt his ankle, he's been good. This team is not good enough. There's This team is not good enough, not only to win a championship, but to compete for a championship. I mean, I think it would be a dogfight, a dogfight if they went up against the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. I'm not picking Portland over the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers, Suns, uh Mavericks, Pelicans, Timberwolves, or Warriors. And honestly, I don't even think I'm picking them over the Jazz or the Lakers. The only shot they have is with Damian Lillard. And even with Damian Lillard playing as good as he's playing, they are 28 and 30. So I think this is my yearly uh, (laughs) plea to Damian Lillard. Bruh, you deserve better than what you're getting out of this Portland team. I'm not saying go to a super team. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, imagine Damian Lillard playing for Miami. Imagine Damian Lillard playing for the Knicks. Imagine Damian Lillard playing for the Bulls. And the Bulls are not not even that good this year. But imagine that. Imagine Damian Lillard alongside Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan. Or a team that does need a point guard. Like, drastically. And that is the New Orleans Pelicans. Or a team that might need a better point guard. In the Minnesota Timberwolves. What I'm saying is this, man. Damian Lillard is too good. Damian Lillard is one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen. One of them. When we talk about top 10, top 15 point guards, you'd be hard-pressed not to say Damian Lillard's name. That's how good Damian Lillard has been. Especially this year. I mean, hold on. Damian Lillard... He's a seven-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA, All-NBA, and a Rookie of the Year. That's it. Mind you, let me let me look at another player that you can argue isn't as a player that we can argue about, and a player that I think is in the discussion to be, you know, like when we say who's better between Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving. Eight-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, uh, All-Star MVP. He's also a NBA champion. I just I just I just want better for Dame. That's it. That's all I want. That's it. So, Dame's time. 
Portland has showed you the best that they can do. And uh, I don't <laughs> didn't get don't let man I don't know. I don't know. Let's move forward, man. Uh the XFL is back. Uh the XFL is actually today. Um Yeah. The XFL is back. Now, I think the XFL was doing really well until, of course, COVID hit, uh, which then folded the front or folded the league. But with The Rock picking it, you know, buying it and everything, um, it is back. And I think that it's it was I felt like it was pretty successful before, of course, COVID hit. Um, I now know. There's never there's there's the XFL, there's the USFL, there's the uh, Canadian Football League or CFL. None of them will be will come close to the success that the NFL has. It's just none of them. Like that's we also have arena football, which I completely forgot about, and the, like fan generated football. Um, yeah, but no, none of them is going to be on the same level as the NFL. Don't get it twisted. But I do think that the XFL, it, it feels like that this could be different. You know, it feels like that this is is the start of something. I mean, not the start of something. That this can be successful. Now, successful in its own way. I mean, this is what spring football at this point. So, um, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see, you know. What you got the Vegas Vipers, the Arlington Renegades, the Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, St. Louis Battlehawks, San Antonio Bahamas, DC Defenders, Seattle Sea Dragons. And another thing, there's a lot of ex NFL players that are in this. Um, Josh Gordon's in it. Uh, Martavis Bryant's in it. I think Vic Beasley's in it. So, well, no, you're not getting top tier talent at this point. I do think it's going to be good. I think it's going to 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 to. I mean, it was it was doing well before COVID. I like to think, and I think that it's going to do but good now. The marketing seems like it's there. The Rock seems like a a good investor for it. And yeah, I think it's gonna be good. So it's back today, actually. I think the first game is at three o'clock. So um yeah, the XFL is back. And lastly, before we go, <laughs> the NHL trade deadline is like 13 days away. Now, again, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I know much about hockey. I don't. I know some things about hockey. I don't know much. I know that. Uh, maybe Patrick Kane couldn't be on the move. I know that. I know that Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues has been in a lot of talks of being on the move. I know that Jonathan Towes can be on the move, you know. Maybe Matt Dumb, uh, Dumba could be on the move. Justin Braun. I, I don't know. Eric. Carlson, who knows, Josh Gibson from the Ducks. I will say this, and this is this is like every every league, every sport. There are teams that have to ask themselves a the question: How close are you to winning a championship or winning a Stanley Cup, and how close are you to? 
Like, are you a piece away? And I think that's what we're going to see a lot in this trade deadline. Are you a piece away? Because right now, the top three teams, I think, maybe top four teams are solidified. Uh, and I, the top four teams is the Bruins, the Hurricanes, the Make-Believes, and the Devils. You can you can probably say the Tampa Bay Lightning, but those are pretty much the top five. Those are the five that I feel have the best shot of winning the Stanley Cup. And if any of those five win, it wouldn't be a shock. Like, right now, I think that the Bruins have scored the most points. I think they're like 87 right now. Uh, the Hurricanes just destroyed a team the other day. The make-believes, they have Austin. But you know the history of the make-believes and, and how they always get to them. Or they, 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 they haven't really been that successful in the playoffs for a minute. And the New Jersey Devils have been, they've been like the, they're the hot young team. I think they have two streak, two 13-game win streaks or something like that. Um, so with this trade, with the NHL trade deadline, you have to ask yourself, how how far are you from a championship or a Stanley Cup? How how if you make a move or two, like if you get Patrick Kane, is Patrick Kane going to put you over the top? Is he going to put you over the hump? If so, I can see a team like I don't know the Dallas Stars. I can see the team like the Vegas Golden Knights. I can see the team like maybe the Seattle Kraken. I can see them making a run. Maybe the the Los Angeles Kings. Maybe the Colorado Avalanche. I don't know what I'm just saying. You have, and another team to look at actually is the Pittsburgh Penguins because the Pittsburgh Penguins are freaking struggling, bro. Like they are, they might not even make the playoffs with with you know Sidney Crosby. They might not even make the playoffs. So you have to ask yourself that. That's that as a as a GM. I know I'm not a GM, and I know I don't know much about NHL. I know that. Ask yourself how far are you to winning a champion or to making it to the Stanley Cup and that is where you figure out which moves that you should make that's my opinion and there you have it <laughs> that's been today's episode of the unpopular podcast I truly truly appreciate you guys um if you want a popular podcast shirt hoodie sweater long sleeve joggers the link is in the description below I have multiple different colors multiple different designs get your unpopular podcast merch today also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. Please subscribe to the Instagram. I have now a new TikTok. Please subscribe to that or the Unpopular Podcast as a TikTok. Please subscribe to that. I see that last those last two shorts. I'm, I'm starting to do shorts now. Um, those last two shorts kind of went crazy on social media, which I do truly appreciate. Um, definitely means a lot. I'm... <laughs> I'm not used to that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do appreciate you guys, and please subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, definitely means a lot, uh, and until next time, much love. i
been caught himself a few years On the billboard, see ya when you ride on your wheels On sunset, she just bought a place in the hills California, Cation kid, I love what we can take you baby And I wanna give a little more Need to give a little more Just wanna play all day 